and it's Amanda. And we're basically basic. You guys, it is May. That means summer is right around the corner. Yeah, Not fully here yet, but we're getting there. And summer means a lot of exciting things for basically basic. Amanda and I just had a meeting. We were planning out the rest of this summer, the things that we want to do. In case y'all didn't know, this is actually the last episode of season two, which I think has been an incredible season, if totally. I do say so myself. It has been. What's Do you have any highlights? What's been one of your faves? Honestly, I feel like I would have to go back and like really just spend time and like looking at each one. I, I don't know. I go back I just, and listen to myself talk maybe <laughs> again. I feel like I need to like hear myself and how great I am. No. But really, we would love to hear from you guys what your favorite episode was of season two, which ones really stood out to you, and especially what you are looking forward to to hear in the future because we have big things planned for season three and season four and maybe we have some t-shirt ideas. Maybe we have some meetup ideas. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll see. Maybe Actually, you probably should save the date for May 31st, and we will be announcing more of this on our social media as well, but we have an event that some of our, our well, our top tier patrons have already gotten, and it's a little roundtable meetup. It's open to 10 people, and if you would like to become a patron and donate, it's it's first come, first serve, basically. Yeah, so really, like, if you haven't been to our Patreon, the link is in our um, Instagram page, but... Basically, it's a, an opportunity for you to help give and to donate to what we do. I would just say sowing a seed into yes. Basically Basic, and it allows us to dream a little bit bigger with this podcast, and then also helps us to get to know you better and to connect. So one of our, um, I guess, positives or incentives to being Patreon is going to be this meetup on May 31st. So if you are a Patreon, you will be hearing from us about that, but it's also not too late to become one. So check it out. The link is going to be in our bio on our Instagram, and we'd love to see you guys there. But that's the first of many meetups, I will Yes, say. and once, just a reminder, once you get the email, you do have to RSVP because there's only limited seats available for May yeah. 31st. So, so don't get sit on, on it, girly. Don't sit on that email with your excitement. <laughs> and if you are a Patreon, another incentive is you get an extra episode. So we will be emailing you your secret episode within the next couple weeks. And so, girls, if you're like, oh, no – Season two's over. I'm not finished yet. Then sign up to be a patron. Not if you're a patron, it's not. And then you get another episode. But today's episode, I am super, super pumped about. This is a new friend of mine. I'm, I'm like really a big fan of this girl. Um, as just like, I don't know, she's an entrepreneur. She's a mom. I, first of all, I knew her kids before I knew her. Aww. And I feel like if you meet someone's children and you still want to get to know the mom, then That's you know they're doing big, their job. Yeah, congratulations. Right? That's a big... Like, compliment. It Pat is. on the back. Because I'm like, you could meet someone's kids and be like, wow, I really don't want to know whoever parented you. No. But I had the opposite. So I teach her kids at um, our church's school. She's so fashionable, so kind, as beautiful inside as she is outside. And just a wealth of knowledge. Like, a deep, deep wealth. You know? Yes, I know. You know those people that you're like, I want to sit and have coffee with you for 15 hours? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. So you're going to find out. So, yes. guys, I would like you to give a big BB welcome to Talia Schuster. Talia, say hello to our friends. Hi. Hi. I'm Talia. <laughs> Can I just say really quickly that your name alone is so fun? Thank you. Talia Schuster. Do you have people say it wrong, like, all the time? Every day. What do How you, do they say yeah, it? What do they say? I get Taylor. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I get Talia. 
Tallulah. Oh, Tallulah. <laughs> You're like, where is all the L's? Yes, <laughs> the extra yes. L's in my name. You're really excited. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this, but my real name is Cameron. I don't think no. even our listeners might not know that. No, they may not. But my parents, I say my, my parents, it was probably my mom, but she spelt it uniquely. It's C-A-M-A-R-Y-N, oh. which I think is super, it, she thought it was more feminine. But it really is. people will be like, Cameron? And I'm like, that's literally not a name. Like, I don't understand. Like, why are you being so creative with this? Cameron. Yeah, so you probably have the same thing. You're like, oh, yeah. you're a creative person. You're making up a whole new name. Like, yes. yes. What's your middle name? Eden. <gasps> you have a great name. Wow. That's actually oh, my one dad. of my dad. My dad did it. What? Yeah, that's impressive. Go that's, dad. Eden's one of my top girl names, actually. Me too. I love, I love that name. Are we going to fight over it? Well, I don't know if I'm going to have another girl okay. or not. Well, so. you probably will. I don't know. We'll see. You might have 20 more. Who knows? You just never know. You know? <laughs> okay, so Talia, okay, I'm just going to be real with our listeners for a second. I was struggling with this episode because ta- there's so many different things we could talk to you about. You are such a unique person, and you carry a lot of authority in a lot of different areas, mm-hmm. I feel. You are a blogger. You are a mom. You're an entrepreneur. You're a messianic Jew, which is, like, really cool, and I don't really know anyone else. I don't think that is that besides you. Um, you have a beautiful marriage. You're really creative. You're administrative. So, really, like, when we were kind of preparing for this episode, I was just praying and asking God, like, what what do we want to talk about? What do we want to do? And I really kind of just want to start off by you just kind of sharing who you are yeah, and kind of what has made you where you're at today. And then I kind of want to talk about what God's been highlighting in your life right now. Because I think one thing about our podcast that sets us apart is we are not experts in anything we've discussed. And we love bringing in people who are not experts either. And what I mean by that is we love to bring people in when they're in the middle of the messy season of life, whatever that season is, and just sharing like, hey, this is where I'm at and I don't have it figured out. But I want to be real and raw with what that looks like. And so, yeah, I would love for you just to start and share who you are and what makes you Talia, not Tallulah Schuster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, to go, let's start at the beginning. I am originally from Oklahoma. I uh, grew up there, but I chose to move to Colorado when I was 18. And I lived there for almost 10 years before moving to Dallas a year ago. So I'm an interesting, I'm like a half blend. country, half yeah. city. And yeah, it's, it's <laughs> very interesting. When you chose to move there, was it like for college or did you, were you, were you like 18 and you were just like, I'm moving to Colorado? It was all of the above. It was okay. a little bit of everything. There was, um, I wanted to study interior design and there was not an art school in Oklahoma. And so I wanted to attend the Art Institute of Colorado. So I moved there. That was one reason. Um, another reason is I just, I loved Colorado and I did not want to stay in Oklahoma at the time <laughs> being 18. And of course you want to get away from, you know, where you grew up in your totally. family and, you know, explore the world. And then, um, maybe one of the biggest reasons is my now husband who I was dating at the time, we were long distance and he was offered a job in Denver and I'd already considered moving there before he and I met. So that kind of sealed the deal. Yeah. So, yeah. You were like, and my decision is made. Exactly. And there's <laughs> a cute boy in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> so even leading up to Colorado, one thing, like the first coffee we got, you were sharing your story. And I was like a little bit blown away just by the series of events that happened yeah. before you were even 18 years old. And you're one of those people that, kind of like I was saying, like if you go, which you all will, go to her Instagram She's oh yes, so it's at it's if you're beautiful. yes if you're I'm literally have it pulled up right now. It's well you can tell them you, yeah. it's your Instagram. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> we're just your hype girls. We're yeah. like everyone go to her Instagram. I need that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah no so it's essentially a shortened version of my name. So it's at Tal Schuster, which is T A L S H O O S T E R, 
And that's where I share about fashion, lifestyle, and the Lord. It's kind of a it's really cute. It's a mixed bag of everything we love. Your whole aesthetic I'm vibing with. I literally just you would see that though, and you would be like, This girl's perfect. She's probably had like the most princess glamorous life ever. And so I knew her from social media, I mean, like, I had followed her before we had ever gotten coffee. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I mean, thought you guys met at church. We didn't meet at church, but I'm saying then I followed her because oh, I was like, oh, it. actually, I yes. think a friend was like, hey, like, we met, and then she walked away, and they were like, you Do need you to know who that was? And no. I was like, oh, okay. Like, didn't know. I mean, she was dressed cute, but I, like, didn't know. So I followed her, and I was like, ooh, she's, like, really legit. But then I had this expectation, and I think that's what social media kind of does, is it kind of, you know, just puts up this, like, the front part of who you are. Yeah. And so when we got coffee, I did not expect to hear all the things that she's walked through, um, which is really, really cool. And it's made you the strong person that you are. So would you just kind of briefly share what I'm referring to, I guess? Yeah, of course. So um, as I said, I grew up in Oklahoma. I'm the oldest of four children. And life got really interesting at a very young age. Um, I would say, I mean, for as long as I can remember, my parents had a very tumultuous relationship and so, I, of course, when you're four, you think that's normal because you don't have anything to compare it to. Um, but so that from the very beginning, my house was just a point of contention, you know, just my family life. Um, they were lovely people, but that was interesting. And then um, about three weeks before my eighth birthday, so the anniversary May 3rd just passed, um, we actually lost our home to a tornado. At the time, it was the largest tornado ever recorded in history. And so we were technically homeless for a little while. Um, we never had to sleep on the streets because we had family that took us in. And um, we actually lived in a family's home, a family member's home for the next two years. Um, so it was wow. years before we had, um, I mean, it was even longer than that before we had a home for ourselves. But that happened. And then shortly after that, my parents, their relationship kind of hit a breaking point. They separated and started the process of divorce. So that separation lasted for about a year, and then my mother was diagnosed with brain cancer, and um, that actually brought them back together, which is a beautiful story in and of itself. But uh, she eventually, after two years of being two years after being diagnosed, she passed away. So there was that whole thing, and then the how old were you at that point? So I was twelve when she passed away. So you were four when the you lost your home to the tornado. So okay. I was eight. Yeah. I promise I'm in the room. Um, <laughs> I did say four. Earlier. Okay, maybe. Oh, what was the four number? Oldest of four children? I was just saying, like, well, that too, but okay. like being four and not realizing that your like, parents' that's what relationship okay. is not that's normal. That's the age where you can first have, like, memories. Like, yeah. You, like, realize yeah. from a young age, like, our home was kind of dramatic, but, like, again, you don't know anything else. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay, so you were eight when the tornado happened. Yep. And then two years later? So is- she was diagnosed when I was ten. They separated when I was nine, so, like... Eight tornado, nine they separated, ten she was diagnosed, twelve she passed. Oh my word! Yeah, so it was pretty. That's like, a lot. Fire. I mean, that's enough trauma for a twenty-one-year-old. Yeah, really, exactly. honestly, yeah, no. to be like to be like a ninety-year-old and like sitting in your rocking chair and be like, "What I was the thing." Like, I don't know why you get country when you become a grandma, but apparently you do. But like, you know, this happened, this happened. That's all within four years in developmental stages of yeah. your childhood. So at yep. this point. Did you already know God? Like, I mean, because yeah. you're eight, so your relationship probably isn't at a mature phase, but, like, how did you not be angry at the Lord? Like, I'm just saying you're thinking, like, how do you even love Jesus right now? Because a lot of people would go through that and be like, by God, you're not here. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I think um, my parents very much are a huge reason that I actually did have a fairly strong relationship with the Lord at the time. That was something that they, they just did so well. And I think, um, I think the, also the Lord just protected me and I can't really, I don't, 
I don't really know how to explain that. Um, but he did. And I remember there was a moment where it was the night that my mom left my dad and it came out of nowhere for me. I did not see it coming. And we drove to my aunt's house where we lived for the next year. And I remember I got out of the car and I was very angry with my mother (laughs) at the time. And, um, I got out of the car and it was, I remember it being dark outside and I remember just, I didn't want to go inside the house yet. Everyone else went inside. I needed a moment. And so I remember I just stood there and I looked up at the stars and I just spoke to the Lord and I just told him. I, I knew even at, at that age that this was a turning point. Like, this is the moment where I get to choose if I'm going to be angry with you or hate you or take that honor if I'm going to submit to you and trust you. And it was just, I don't know how I knew that, but I just made the decision right then and there and just spoke to him. And I just told him whatever happens, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna trust you. And that was definitely difficult at times, but I think I just, I made that decision and I meant it. And um, he was just faithful to, carry me and he was in it with me the entire time and there were such tangible ways that he showed up and I saw him in situations even at that age you know and even more as an adult looking back but I knew it even at the time that he was there so I think yeah I don't know he was just there Hmm. I love that well I feel like you those are opportunities where you get to see his protection and it's like I think a misconception is often when bad things happen like God's not present or he's not there but actually, I agree with what you're saying. I feel like looking back on those seasons are actually the times when you see the Lord the closest, where yeah. you're like, oh, you were so near and so present. And just the maturity and the refining that he clearly chose to, to do in your life at such a young age yeah, exactly. set you apart completely. Because it's like by the time you've even reached teenager years, you've yeah. already made choices to have an intimate walk with Jesus in ways that most kids would never have to face. Right. Yeah, you've already seen what it's like for God to like physically hold your hand through something. Yeah. Which wow. is crazy because I don't think I really saw that till like 21 maybe. Yeah. So I can't imagine as like a 12-year-old making that like conscious decision. Yeah. So, so, so cool. your mom passed away at 12 and then now you said you were the oldest. So yeah. what did it look like? Did you kind of feel like you had to step into a motherhood role at a young age? Or oh, what was definitely. That like? Definitely. And it's interesting because I think I started to step into that role when they separated. Because mm-hmm. um, she was, you know, they got married so young. So when they separated, she was kind of doing her thing. And so I kind of started to step into that role. And then when she got sick, even more, took on more responsibility. And I actually um, homeschooled myself while she was sick so I could stay home and take care of her. So I was taking care of her and taking and teaching care of yourself. Myself. Yeah. Well, I homeschooled she myself. homeschooled herself. <laughs> I know. I was like, if I homeschooled myself, it would have consisted of, like, the Rugrats. Yeah. And, um, my teachers are actually Angelica and Tommy Pickles. It's pretty crazy. But. Like, I don't think that would have, like, flown very well. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So you're self-disciplined. We know that. We've oh, learned yeah. that already. Which this actually makes sense now, looking at all the endeavors and things that you've done, even at yeah. your young age. It's because you've been kind of conditioned to mm-hmm. really have self-control to really like have the timed discipline and also to dream big because I'm sure like even the beginning of this you were like at 18 I knew I wanted to do something new well yeah like you were ready to kind of soar and spread your wings a little bit and be like okay I've been taking care of everyone else for my whole childhood yep it's time for me to step out and kind of do me you know definitely so going to Colorado was a whole new season for you oh yeah um, kind of tell me about that. And then also I want you to share about meeting your husband yeah. and in that, what it looks like to be a Messianic Jew. Yeah. Because 
so many questions. First of all, I love it. We, we were talking about this earlier, and Amanda was like, I'm going to need to know what that is. Yeah, I was like, well, I was like, I just have a lot of questions. Like, whenever a word comes up that I don't know all the, like, facets to, I really am one of those, like, I'm not a ride or die chick. Like, I have a lot of questions. Like, yeah. where are we going? How did we get there? <laughs> like, what how do these words mean? Yeah, what do these words mean? So I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. So because of the order of events, I'll start with the Messianic piece, because that kind of started everything off um so i grew up in a messianic home at least for the most part messianic judaism so i have jewish heritage jewish blood and um messianic jews are jews who believe that jesus is the jewish messiah Um, a lot of jews who are not christians not believers not messianic they still are waiting for jesus not for jesus they're still waiting for their messiah to come and messianic jews which were christians understand (laughs) Jesus is the Messiah. Um, so it looks a little bit culturally different from, you know, being a, a Christian who's Baptist or something like that. We, um, And this varies a lot depending on the Messianic Jew you're speaking to. But um, basically we keep the feast days, you know, they're in scripture, a lot of the cultural feast days, and we observe um, Sabbath on Saturday. And a lot of us keep kosher. So there's just a lot of, we, we hold on to our Jewish heritage. We don't think we have to sacrifice our Jewish heritage to be Christian because Jesus was Jewish. He lived in the same yeah. culture and heritage. So that's kind Which, of that. I think that's so cool because you you actually feel like have an understanding of Jesus as yeah. a friend and a, a man mm-hmm. in a way that we don't because you can relate. Like I'm sure in scripture, context for you is pretty mm-hmm. easier to understand in a lot of ways because you know when it talks about the Passover or yeah. the Sabbath or any of these things, like you have an understanding culturally yes. as to what that means. And we were laughing earlier because you were saying how a lot of the Jewish people who aren't Messianic Jews, they, like, believe Jesus was, they believe in Jesus, they just don't believe he was the Messiah. Like you were right. saying, they believe he was a good teacher or a prophet, which I was saying it makes no sense in my brain <laughs> because I'm like, listen, he was either the son of God, which he claimed to be, or he was a complete psychopath cult leader <laughs> exactly. who lied to everybody. Like, I don't think he literally left a room to be a good teacher because he either was, like, completely insane or was who he said he was. But that's neither here nor there. Just yeah. a little fun side thought that I realized today. I was like, that makes no sense, but cool, cool, cool. Um, but, yeah, so you, in doing that, like, did you feel like you had a different kind of understanding? Yeah. Even now, like with meeting, you know, going to a church, we go to the same church. Mm-hmm. So you're not at a Messianic Jewish community. Like you probably have a different understanding of things than I even would. Yeah. It's it's one of the things that I'm most thankful for that I was raised as a Messianic Jew with that, with that context. There's so much understanding with scripture and the, the context in scripture that you just, the average Christian just never has an opportunity to learn. Um, that I was just, that was just the way I was raised and how I was taught. And it's, it's so valuable. It's something I've been so thankful for. But yeah, kind of like you were saying, for me, you know, with Jesus, there's just this worldview that he lived in that I understand in a way that, you know, the average Christian just has never even had explained to them, would not know to understand, right. you know? Um, so it's extremely, it's extremely valuable and something I'm so thankful for. That, that just brings me, we like to say side note on our podcast <laughs> a lot. I have a side note to that. I just think it's so cool to have friends or to get to know someone that maybe was like raised differently or just like has a different belief even if like your cores are the same like the way they got there like I just love hearing that because it broadens like my perspective and like makes me want to dig deeper and like find out and I think sometimes in like our Christian culture we tend to think it's just black and white yeah and there's so many 
cool things that like Jesus has taught to your brothers and sisters separately and you can learn from them. Like, I just think this is so cool. Like I love having all these, like getting these tidbits of um, knowledge from you because I just have a lot of questions and it's so cool. It it, honestly, to me, like looking at you, it makes you seem so wise. Like Mm -hmm. I love it. So just a side note, don't be afraid to ask questions that are different than you. Yeah. And don't assume, I feel like we assume that everybody who's Christian quote unquote, like comes at it from the same way yeah. and so I think it's cool to ask people to dig a little deeper because even for me like being the first person in my family to well I mean we grew up Christian but like we didn't really like really start as a family having a friendship or relationship with the Lord until yeah. I was like in high school um so I don't have some of those bible like stories or like kid things that people experience they just assume like oh you went to that camp or you did that right. thing like no I didn't and actually in fact I went to the Jewish Community Center for preschool when I lived in Detroit, and all my friends were Jewish. Yeah. So have I, we told this story about the Christmas tree on our podcast? I think we did. Did we? If well, we did, okay. Just a snippet. I'll just tell like the tiny version because I we we really want to like focus on what you have to say. But <laughs> when Cami was growing up, she you went to a Jewish school. Yeah. Right? All my friends were Jewish. Went to a Jewish school. And one year during Christmas, she told one of her friends, like, how old were you? Maybe, like... Oh, I was probably, like, six. Okay. Yeah. So told a friend, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a Christmas tree. My dad and I are going to go pick out a Christmas tree. And she was, like... Her friend was, like, oh, wait, you're not Jewish? And Cammie was, like, no, I am. I was, like, no, I I think I... She's, like, if you are, if you are I, am. I am. Like, I go... We go to the same school. And she was, like, well, why are you getting a Christmas tree? And then I went home and I was, like, devastated because I'm, like, wait, what? But then my parents were, like, no, this is cool because, like we can celebrate Hanukkah with them and they can come celebrate Christmas with us. And then, of course, being me, I'm like, now I'm even cooler because I'm like, I'm different than everyone. (laughs) I've got the best of both. Right? (laughs) But you really do. She does have the best of both. I know. You really do. I do. really do. Christmas and Hanukkah. My my children are spoiled. It's ridiculous. That's amazing. Okay, so that led to you meeting your sweet, sweet husband, Sam. Tell us that story. Yeah, so there are not very many Messianic Jews in the world. That's why we don't know anybody. <laughs> That's why I have right? questions. Yeah. <laughs> there's very, very few of us in the, the broad scheme of things. And there's um, an international conference that happens every year in, in Pennsylvania called the Messiah Conference. That's put on by one of the largest Messianic Jewish organizations. And it's a great place to meet Messianic Jews. In fact... It's kind of been nicknamed Messianic Dating Grounds. Oh, that is great. <laughs> yes, yes. And that everyone knows it. Everyone, you know, we're, you don't want to meet your spouse there at the same time because it's so cliche. Yeah. And so... Um, <laughs> it's like the Christian mingle yeah. of Messianic <laughs> Yes, it is. It's ridiculous. And so <laughs> my husband, he grew up in Pennsylvania. So he, I mean, he's attended... He attended every year of his life until about six years ago. So he, he grew up at this conference. And I had attended once when I was 12, and he was there, but we did not meet. And then I went Aww. back when I was 17, and both of us independently had sworn, you know, we'll never meet our spouse at Messiah <laughs> Conference. That's, that's ridiculous. And then we met. And um, it's a week-long conference. Met on Sunday. By that Wednesday, we told each other we liked each other. By that Friday, I was like, "You don't want to date me. I don't. I don't. I don't. Wait. I don't date for fun. We're gonna get married if I date you." That's uh, right. You tell him. You tell him five days in. <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, "He's gonna think I am nuts." Um, but he didn't. And so we were long distance for a year and a half. And I was in Oklahoma, and he was in Philadelphia. And then he moved to Denver, and I moved to Denver as well. It's funny because before we met, I had looked at two art schools: one in Philadelphia and one in, in Denver. I'd never been to, what? I'd been to Colorado, I'd never been to Denver, and I'd never been to Philadelphia. And so when we were long distance, he lived with his family in Philly, and so I spent a lot of time out there. 
And I love Philly, but especially at the time, I was like, I don't think this is where I want to live and go to school. Yeah. So I was already leaning toward Denver, and then he was offered that job in Denver. Wow. And I was wow. like, okay, God. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> that that's, wow. So you get to Denver, and that's really kind of where you planted your life. How soon yeah. after you guys started dating did you get married? Let me think about that. Um, I should know that off the top of my head. I, I want to say it was two years. I think we okay. did it for two years. And yeah. then how long until you had your adorable children? So we legally got married before our wedding. So Ooh, that's like, see, so many fun facts. Yeah, so many fun. Oh, wait, I have another wedding question. Yeah. In the Jewish community, do you yeah. do different like traditional wedding things? Yes. You do, right? Yes. So did you get to, did you do like Christian, Christian things like the weddings do? And did then you, also. We don't really do any cool things. Not really. But I mean, I guess just like. Communion? Um, we did. So did you, the. There is a basically Jews take communion at the wedding too. Okay, so it's okay. like a more was a more Jewish spin on communion, but yeah, we did we got did it. Do that. So yes, it was very much a blend of like traditional Christian wedding and Jewish wedding. And I'm not gonna lie, I think like Jewish weddings and Italian weddings are like the best. They're yeah. so I'm fun. having FOMO that I didn't know you. I then. know. I it know. Right? So fun. It really was. It was fun. Honestly, oh, yeah. I love. Okay, this. so you guys started your life together. You have your adorable family. How did you get into blogging? Yeah, and kind of into that like. You've already walked, you would walk through so many things up until that point, obviously. Did you ever feel this struggle with blogging of like, okay, like I'm so much more than just a fashion person. I'm so much more than just a pretty face. Like there's so much to you. Did you ever feel kind of afraid to even get into that? Or also have you felt judged like in doing that? I kind of just want to share like your blogging journey. Yeah, of course. So I, I got into blogging accidentally. Um, I... Before moving to Colorado, I had done personal styling for a lot of my friends and kind of built up a small clientele, um, which was obvious. I was very young at the time, obviously. And then when we moved to Colorado, um, got married, got pregnant pretty early on. I think Judah was born. Judah's my son. He was born um, a month before our first wedding anniversary. And then with that... About the about, whoo, at about the same time, a lot of my clients in Oklahoma were like, "We miss having you around. Can you put your tips online? You know, for fashion mm-hmm. style and things like that." And then I just had a child, a newborn, and wanted something where I could work from home because the whole stay-at-home mom thing nearly killed me. I was like, <laughs> real. It is real. real. Some I, I like women who can do that. Is, it just blows me away. I think I've honestly like I feel like before I was a mom and I knew moms that stayed home. I, this is just me being like brutally honest, would be like, oh, that's probably really easy. Like, you just get to be at home most of the day with your kid. Now, moms that stay at home full time, like, you are the world's heroes. Right. I don't, I do not understand. No, me neither. It's amazing. <laughs> it blows my mind. It's a blessing. I think it's a calling for some people and yeah. for some not. And I don't think there's, there should be judgment either way. You no. Know? Exactly. I think it can be so judging on either side. And it's like, some women feel called to that mm-hmm. and that is where they thrive. And some women, like, if they were to do that, they would actually become a worse mom oh, because exactly. they'd be like mm-hmm. dying inside. Oh yeah, I got you know? super depressed. Well, and yeah. actually, it makes me—it doesn't make me want to like, um, I guess like downgrade that in any way. Yeah. If anything, it makes me want to uplift them because exactly. I am a mom. It makes me want to be like, oh my gosh, you're a stay-at-home mom. Like, congrats, you kill it at life because you're doing a really hard thing. Yep. So, if anything, like my experience being a mom has made me be like, power to you. You're killing it. Way to stick to your calling, but. Right. He wants me to leave for a little bit during the week so I can come back and love my kids. That's me. I was like, I need to miss you. Yeah, I need to miss <laughs> Yes. So, yeah. So I wanted something I could do from home, but without, you know, being gone all the time. And um, 
so I started looking into what it would what it would look like to put fashion tips online and kind of discovered blogging and fashion blogging and oh this is a real thing so I put my first website together and then I learned oh you can make money doing this and so it just kind of grew little by little over um, about seven years and I mean I just learned a ton I was I mean researching stuff constantly and finding new people to learn from and follow and I um, grew my my blogging business and to your question as far as the whole being reduced to just someone a pretty face or something yes that's happened to me a lot and I think um, it has been difficult because my life was very, I would say, segregated for a long time. There was, okay, this is fashion Talia, and this is ministry Talia, and this is business Talia. And it was very separated from one another, and it was very difficult to be respected in some of those avenues, um, especially with people who knew that I was doing the fashion thing. There's a lot of judgment with that comes with putting yourself out there, especially if you have nice things or you, you look pretty or whatever. And I'm actually so thankful for it because um, it broke off a lot of insecurity and fear of man. Like when you're standing in the street downtown and someone's taking pictures of you and you're posing and people are walking past you and laughing and saying things about you, like you have to, it's like in that moment you get to choose, you have to choose. Like that happens? Oh, it happens all the time. (gasps) All the time. Okay, I I like shoot for a lot of fashion bloggers sometimes, like have past, present, not as much now, but... I've never seen that. I mean, I've seen like odd looks or like, you know, kind of, but I've never seen someone like boldly say something like that. That is insane. I think part of it was because um, a lot of that happened in Denver and the vibe in Denver is just so different. Mm. It's not. It's more earthy. Yes. It's not geared toward fashion. (laughs) That's a nice way to say that. Yes. That's a nice way. And I love Denver. Don't get me wrong. It's just not geared toward fashion. Yes. So I got a lot of. Not Neiman's. Exactly. It was interesting, but it was so good for me. I need. I like. I chose to lean into that, and then just develop so much confidence. But the the breaking out of kind of, like you said, there's a lot of um, preconceptions and judgments that people make about you, and breaking out of that has been challenging. Even I mean, it's still a challenge, for yeah. sure. That makes me want to read a little um, snippet of something you wrote. It's on your Instagram, <laughs> and you posted it um, last month, so not that long ago. And this is just a. Like, I hope you guys can't hear the construction outside. But if you can, we apologize. I apologize. I, I, we're at my house right now, and I would be annoyed with it. But they're building this, like, amazing halfway house for <gasps> women and children coming out of abusive relationships. So we can't be so annoyed. I can't, and honestly, every time I get complaint, like, I want to complain, I'm like, no, this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful moment we, for thank beautiful you, Jesus, people. We, what you're doing, but it's annoying. Yes. Okay, continue. Okay, so it just, everything that you've just been talking about has, um, I was reading through this that you had written and I thought it was just so beautifully said. And this is again, like a little piece from a longer piece that you wrote. So you guys can find it on our Instagram, but you said, what I have learned is God made me the way I am for a reason. He doesn't want me to fit a role. He wants me to fill a void. Only I can. My uniqueness is necessary to bring my piece of the puzzle. And I just thought that was so beautiful. So do you want to hit on like a little bit of what you kind of meant by that or maybe like what inspired you to say that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, very much. And a, a lot of this was set off by a recent move to Dallas and just mm-hmm. moving and starting over. You know, <laughs> what does life look like now? Um, I think I just, it was killing me cutting off pieces of myself. And whether that was my online presence and, oh, I'm putting this part of me out there, but I'm hiding this thing and this thing and this thing. Um, and just how that spilled over into other aspects of life as well. And so I think... I just got to a point in this last year where I'm just, I'm done with it. And it's it's interesting because if you're researching how to be successful on, on Instagram or on social media as a blogger, 
you know, they say pick one or two things to focus on, like find your niche. I don't know how I'm saying that. I don't know if I'm saying that word. I think right. we never know. We, I don't know if it's niche or niche, yeah, but I, I it's accept. It's probably fester. We accept both. It's probably the word fester. <laughs> as, Which is Amanda's made-up word. <laughs> no, it is not a made-up word. I just used it in the wrong That's context. True. But it, you were correct. You're, you're niche. I don't know. I, I changed the way I say yeah. it each time. You know, I know. It'll, it'll hit eventually. I always say it and then look up to see, like, exactly. how did you, you say that? How right? do you know? What is their face? Does their face look like I said that correctly or like I failed? Yeah, that's real. <laughs> um, yeah, so they tell you, and it's not bad advice, but you know, kind of find what it is that you are, like, but keep it like limited, like one mm-hmm. to two things, and then focus on that, and that's what will attract people. And I totally get it, and that's what I did. And yeah, I guess it works to a degree, but the reality is, I started feeling like it was just a very small piece of me that I was presenting, and then I did have so much more. And that's it's very difficult to, you know, how do you talk about God or faith or anything and go to New York Fashion Week, which is what I was doing, Mm -hmm. and that not come across as cheesy or inauthentic or or something. And so um, I just got to the point where I couldn't care. Like, I just, I don't, I don't care. And I think getting to that, stepping outside the mindset of, I need this to be popular. I need this to make money. I need this to just not caring. And the focus going back to, this is who I am. I'm putting myself out there. And if people like it, great. If they don't like it, that's fine. And it's funny because even after doing that, I kind of thought, no brands are going to be approaching me after this. This is not going to be a thing. And even I haven't been working it as much the last year for a number of reasons. I got approached by Carolina Herrera to work with. Oh. And I'm like, there's like God on my Instagram. Wow. And I've shared about this. Like they want me. Like it's, I've hardly even touched on the fashion stuff. And so. That's amazing. Yeah. The Lord's favor. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's cool because I feel like when you were talking about that, I think that's what the world does is they tell us like, hey, like these are the parts of you that are okay to share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are the parts of you that are going to be accepted and are going to be liked. But the rest of those things, like let's just box those up and stuff right. them deep down inside and don't share them with anybody. But I think in the journey of authenticity, as we begin to open that up, actually that's when God opens doors that we could mm-hmm. never open ourselves. And people are drawn to vulnerability. And yeah. I feel like, I'd love for you to speak to this, but I feel like I've seen a shift in social media or blogging, mm-hmm. even over the past couple of years, where vulnerability is being way more celebrated, yep. and that brand, quote unquote, isn't as like closed off as it used to be. Do you yeah. agree with that? Absolutely. It's definitely starting to change. Instagram especially, but social media in general, became so much of a popularity contest that you, you lost the authenticity. And so what people, this is true, like outside of a church perspective as well, just across the board, but people are really starting to be interested in the people who are unique and the people who are going back to posting things that they find beautiful that are more artistic to them or specific to them and not what everyone is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's actually a huge opportunity <laughs> for people to kind of come in. The bubble's going to break. It's going to burst of all these high-level influencers. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but it's going to be um, opportunity for new people to come in and express who they are mm-hmm. and bring their uniqueness to the table. And yeah, which which if anything, it's made me thankful for this like kind of gross <laughs> season mm-hmm. of just like all like perfection post yeah. and like high-end clothing, like things that a lot of people can't live up to in totally. real life. If that led to this kind of movement of like vulnerability and just being real and raw, then I'm thankful for it because yeah. then it makes us like appreciate it that much more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and I feel like one thing you're pioneering is even the fact that fashion and having a heart for fashion and a, an eye for beauty and Jesus don't have to be separate. Not at all. And I feel like, unfortunately, the church as a whole can be the one that actually judges the mm-hmm. hardest mm-hmm. of like, 
well, you can't have a Louis Vuitton purse and be a Christian. And, like, who said that? Yeah. How do you navigate that? And how do you think you got to the place where you're at where you actually have been able to break off that insecurity and walk into a room? Because y'all don't get to sit here with Talia right now, but right now she's sitting on pillows on my floor <laughs> with my jewelry boxes and mic stand. And but you just carry yourself with such royalty. I feel like that's a word I would use. You, like, look like a princess right now sitting on a throne. Like, but really, you walk into a room and you carry authority. But it's taken probably a lot to get there and you're still on that journey so kind of speak to that a little bit yeah I think for me I didn't grow up with very much like we were we were very poor growing up so I didn't have access to nice things and then what you did have you lost in a tornado so (laughs) there you go exactly um so I kind of you know a lot of people if they were to go visit my Instagram would think that I I'm sure who knows what they would think but think that I was raised a particular way and I was not whatever you think I was probably raised at I was raised the opposite of um and so I think that actually gave me a unique perspective coming in and um marrying someone who came from an affluent background and you know then being successful and you know building businesses together and having money and um it was just it's been interesting and I think for me what it really comes down to is it's less about what brands you're wearing and it's more about how you're stewarding your money overall Mm. because you can sit down and argue with someone constantly about okay well what's an acceptable car to drive and what's not and that line's going to be different for every single person. And so even scripture when it talks about modesty, the modesty that it's talking about is not how much of your body is covered, but how you're showing yourself off. And so it's really talking about the heart of it. And, you know, are you doing this or wearing this or fixing yourself up to appear better than, or are you just doing it to take care of yourself? Because scripture also talks about and commands you to get up, wash your face, put yourself together. Wow. Um, so it's about it's about the heart of it. And I think for us... Um, coming from my background and we, we support a lot of family members financially and um, having money has allowed us to buy them nice things and it's it's just so not about whether or not you have nice things either way and it's all about your heart mm-hmm. um, and so seeing that has, has helped me a lot and something else that helped me was the revelation of Lydia in scripture and Lydia was she was a Jewish woman she was the she founded the first house of prayer slash early church so um she and her female jewish friends were praying and paul and his guys came up to them and especially to lydia and approached them with the truth of of jesus of yeshua and um she accepted it she was she right off the bat was like okay i'm in and lydia funded the first early church and led it in her home and she her she she was a businesswoman she owned her own business and her business was selling um fine linen so it was it was fashion and so through her fashion business yeah she funded the early church or at least that location of it and i think that revelation for me i was like oh that's me that's me wow Um, i could be in ministry and business and fashion and love the lord and lead and and all of that I love that. And I feel like that has so, whenever you were speaking, well, first of all, I, need, I want to go back and read that story. So yeah. there's that. And that made me kind of think on, Cami why we wanted to start this podcast is because I think for us, like we love really girly things and yeah. we love basic things and we love things that I think sometimes in like church culture is hard to 
talk about or just like be accepted or feel like you're not trying to be better than or like you know god doesn't care about that god doesn't care about that but i believe that jesus is an artist and like he loves beautiful and everything beautiful that i love he created yeah so it's like yeah i'm gonna i can love that and still like worship jesus alongside that in doing so and so that was like a huge reason why we started this podcast is because you know it's called basically basic but we just love the girly things that yeah. allow us to celebrate him together whether it's just like the two of us or like in community like this like getting to hear your story so they it leads to like again like where your heart is and how you steward it and how you right. hold it really is like the ultimate like teller of what you're doing yeah. and I love that because it's you're right it's you at the end of the day being able to look yourself in the mirror and to be like I'm being the best authentic version of myself and that's actually stewarding my life yeah and giving God glory because he made me to be me. And so, yeah, people can look at your Instagram and think, wow, why does she have that or why does she have this? But they don't know the money. They don't know how much money you guys are giving away. Or they don't know no. like yeah. the, the conversations you and Jesus have about how you can steward the OL and the people, that the women that are going to go to your blog or your Instagram because that's what they're drawn to and are somehow through that process actually going to find the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. You're getting to minister to a whole group of women that – maybe would never walk into the church that we attend or the church that Amanda attends or listen to a different podcast. But it's the same with us. I feel like recently I've had people come up and encourage me about Basically Basic and the common theme that they've said is, Cami, you're going to get to speak and minister into women's lives that other people aren't going to be able to reach. And you have a voice in a specific demographic that God wants to use. And that's given me so much just confidence of like, you know what, I can be authentically myself and Yes, like other people might make fun of the fact that we love pumpkin spice lattes or whatever, <laughs> but it's just us being who we are. Right. And at the end of the day, like I can only steward the time and the gifts and the resources God's given me. And if I spend the rest of my time judging how other people are spending theirs, what a waste. Yeah. You know? And honestly, exactly. sometimes we're kind of silly. Like we'll do silly things and it's like, but I still believe even in that, God, God can still be brought glory because it's oh, like yeah. someone's going to hear that and relate and be like, oh, I don't have to be like super well-spoken when it comes to the Bible, like to to for God to use like me right. in my giftings, you know? It's like, yes, we should always feel like called to be better, but at the end of the day, like he loves us right where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said that you just recently moved, which I know because I met you when you moved here <laughs> a year ago from Denver. A year ago, right? Or yeah, longer? It's a been year. just over a year. Okay, yeah. from Denver to Dallas. And we were talking earlier about how you know, you've walked through some really intense, traumatic stuff. Um, but I know from experience that sometimes moving to a new place and having that deep inner work of just walking through things that nobody else is going to see can be just as challenging as the external big traumatic situations yeah um especially when you are a believer who wants your heart to be completely laid out bare before the lord in surrendering your life like that he does work sometimes that are hidden but are really isolating and lonely and hard um so i don't want to like speak that over you but how (laughs) has like this process been in this new city in this new place new season what's that been like for you yeah It's a great question. So, um, where to start with that? So we were in Denver for, I think I said almost 10 years. And the last, our last four years in Denver, I was in leadership at our church, um, which was overall a wonderful experience. Uh, But something that I think happened during that time 
is I started, and it plays into my childhood as well, but I started, I think some of the things that I brought to the table as a leader um, were not accepted or overlooked or not taken seriously as far as my wisdom or my experience or my ability to hear from the Lord, speak into the lives of others, teach, things like that. So even though I was empowered in some of those ways at our church, I wasn't even close to fully empowered or trusted in those ways. And a lot of my value, a lot of value was placed on my physical capabilities. So how you would be serving more with your hands. So doing childcare, you know, or um, hosting an event or stacking chairs and all of which things that, I mean, yeah, I'm good at some of those things and I'm more than willing to. And so because that was where my, the value was placed on me, I just submitted to the leadership and said, okay, that's great. That's what I'll do then. And I was fine with that. Um, and I think a lot of my childhood was that way as well, even just practically with all that stuff happening, it was okay, well then I'm going to take care of my mom and I'm going to cook her stuff and make her her, you know, fresh juice or whatever and the kids and I got a lot of, um, and understandably so, a lot of adults um, admiring me for that and, you know, telling me how, right, a lot of praise, that's the word I'm looking for, a lot of praise for that. And so I think I kind of took on this understanding of, well, this is where my primary value is seen. Even if I know that's not where my only value is, that's where it's seen. So kind of coming from that and then moving to Dallas, I don't know if anyone else has moved has experienced this, but for me, stepping out of the season in Denver, I was, you start to see so clearly the things that you could have done better in leadership and relationships, like all this stuff, like, man, I wish I'd done more with this person. I wish I had said this or wish I'd, you know, stepped into this or whatever. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to move to Dallas and I've got like fresh opportunity and I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it right this time and uh, serve well and volunteer for all the things, you know, like be impressive. And then (laughs) stepped into the season, moved to Dallas um, about a year ago and that went really well for about two months. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I started getting really sick and I'd struggled with my health in Denver but not as bad as it got when I moved to Dallas. And um, in Denver, it was one of those things where I, like this analogy of juggling came to me. And, you know, I might drop a ball here or there, but I could pick it back up and keep going and keep up the appearance or, you know, kind of keep all the balls off the ground. And when I moved to Dallas, um, I dropped all the balls. Like my, my physical capabilities were just completely stripped away, not by any choice of my own because of my health. And, um... That was very, very painful for me. And I'd walked through a lot of painful situations, especially with leadership in Denver. And so coming in, I I took out of that an insecurity about how leadership sees me and whether or not they see me rightly. And so walking into this situation and then what felt like failing at everything, it triggered that insecurity so much. And I was like, great, like I'm never gonna be empowered here. These people think that I'm completely unreliable, untrustworthy, that this is not who I am and they don't even know that. Um, And so, but what I started to realize is it brought up that thing where I had taken on, I had agreed with that thing that this is where my value is. So I can't do this, I can't do this. So why am I, what, what do I even have to bring to the table? What do I even offer? And it wasn't just in leadership roles. I was asking that question within my relationships, building friendships here. It was kind of like, what, why would they even, what do I even have to offer? Um, and so it was actually really good. I found out I got a diagnosis. There, I, there is something wrong with me. <laughs> Which in some ways is probably a relief in Absolutely. a weird way. Oh yeah. It's like you don't want a diagnosis, but when you don't know what's going on, then you get one. You're like, okay, I'm not it's crazy. It's nice just to know. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, that. I'm not crazy. Like that was something I 
said to the doctor when she said that, yes, I'm not crazy. Um, and so in some ways it's so relieving and at the same time it very much is kind of that isolating struggle because I have a Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism so it's not a very visible illness and so a lot of people don't understand and they don't get it and so it's this um, very much internal kind of unseen struggle and so it's all the heart issues that that I've talk, you know been talking about that come along with it and even these physical issues is very hard for other people to see and understand and so it just pushes on it brings out that those insecurities which has been so good because I thought I dealt with a lot of them and a lot of them I did but then when you drop all the balls in your life and you're literally not doing anything well <laughs> you have to dig down deep and go back to the Lord and say okay if I'm not someone who can do all the events or someone who can stack the chairs or clean the bathrooms or whatever it is then who am I you know, and, and it forces you to go back to that place and ask him that question and let him tell you and then stand on that and then walk in that. Like, mm -hmm. I may not be able to serve in this way, but you can still take someone out to coffee and speak into their lives and have a profound impact on them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, <laughs> if you physically can't serve, that doesn't mean that you can't lead. You know, that was something I'd taken on because I have a huge conviction. If you're a leader, you need to be serving. And I think that's excellent. But I, then I discounted myself. Well, if I can't serve in this way, then I don't have a right to lead. And he kind of has demolished that because he knows where my heart is. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been, it's been a very painful process, but it's been an, just an incredible season of growth. And one of those things where every difficulty that I've gone through, I've walked out of and seen how the Lord used it to grow me and used it for my good. And so this year was one of the hardest seasons of my life, but I'm finally walking in that growth and seeing his goodness. So as we kind of wrap up, what would you say you're most excited for in this next season? Like I do, I do see like just this excitement in you of like, you're aware of what God's doing. Like you're aware of that deep work in your heart that he's been revealing areas where maybe you put your trust in that weren't him. Yeah. And that revealing can be so like naked feeling. I don't know how mm -hmm. to say it. it's exposing. It's yeah. just like, ah, like I didn't realize I was there and. Um, but you know, it's like through that, he's speaking a new like volume into the identity of who you are and you're yeah. hearing it in new ways. So where do you think that takes you next? Yeah, I think for me, um, because of the things that were untrue that I agreed with about my identity, I was playing small and it was holding me back. And so I think I feel this freedom with the Lord to be fully who I am, not just even that goes back to the Instagram thing, not just partly who I am, but fully who I am. And if there are leaders or people who don't get it and judge me for that, that's not my problem. It's their problem. Yeah. And the Lord sees in secret. And so if even if I'm not being empowered or, or whatever, I can trust the Lord to empower me when the time is right. Um, and so it's just that freedom to, I may be sick and I may not be serving, you know, the church on a practical level in that season or whatever, but I'm still going to step out and um, and teach or speak into someone's life or mentor or whatever yeah, it is. You're still serving your God. Exactly. That's and, still service. Yeah. 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 Yep. And I think we, the church puts this thing on people and I, I love the church. I don't, not, don't say that to speak ill of the church, but I think it's common where those things that are visible and upfront, we do attach this judgment to if well, they just want the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that does happen, of course, but the reality is if that's what you're called to and that's who the Lord made you, then it's wrong to not step into that and to mm -hmm. hold yourself back. And so that's false humility. And so I mm -hmm. think just the freedom to not live in false humility, mm -hmm. but step in. Yeah, and the pressure or yeah, and the pressure to not feel 
um, pressure to do the things that you're only seeing. Like, yeah. what if God has something else for you that he wants you to do differently? And you're not seeing that because he wants to use you to do it. So you yeah, haven't exactly. seen it yet. Like, that's so cool. Well, I know that I have loved getting to hear everything that you've shared with us. It's been just so eye-opening. And I know I'm going to even want to go back and listen to this one mm-hmm. and just like press pause and be like, hmm, I have some good thoughts on that. <laughs> I, I do feel like the Lydia thing was so cool because that's you are such a modern-day Lydia. And I, I love that you are owning that. And I want to like go back and read that story. Yeah, that you were I saying, really. Yeah. I'm like that's so cool that I never realized that. I that she was what she was selling. She founded the Philippian Church. That's like yeah, that's crazy. NBD. Yeah, same, same. Same. Lydia. It's cool. I did that last. Listen, did she like sell fine purple garments? <laughs> yes. Am I making that up? Okay, like the stories like coming back to my brain. Yep. Wow. Okay, so as we leave, Talia, I want you. We like to leave a challenge for our listeners. Ooh. What is a challenge that you would leave to our listeners for somebody who maybe is walking through a season where they feel like they've dropped all the balls and they no longer feel like they have it together um but they know they're called to lead yeah what would you say to that person yeah I would say two things two primary things I would say go to the Lord and ask him to remind you of who it is that he sees you as like who you are and um with that recalling any words or promises that he's spoken over you that seem impossible now and take those two things, write them out, and like stand on them um, with hope and with, with all of that. And then with that, find one or two people who do see you rightly, who can understand, and share those things with them so that they can continue to speak that into you. And that way, when those people who don't see you and don't understand are there, it's much easier to not give that the time of day when you have the Lord and a husband or a family member or a friend saying the truth over you mm-hmm. um so it's easier to let that roll off That's so just those so two things good. yeah would you pray to close us out for yeah, our modern day lydia's <laughs> i want to just because i know i want to be one girls listening like us who are like you know maybe we're not on staff at a church in ministry in the conventional way but we're called to ministry yeah. in our own unique ways that god's called us to and i love that lydia didn't like feel like she needed to quit her purple mm-hmm. garment selling and just like become the person stacking chairs at the Philippian church, but yeah. she actually continued what she was doing where she exactly was. And that funded the growth that God wanted to do. And that, in, that empowers me. Yeah, totally. And I think too, sometimes those are things that are unseen. Mm-hmm. And I think for just like us as humans and like, it's in our nature to want to be seen and to want to be praised for it. And to be like, Oh look, she's stacking chairs. Or like you said, when your mom passed away, older people were like, oh my gosh, look at you, you're so young and you're taking care of your family and you were getting praised that way. And I think sometimes in the church that happens of like, well, I'm not on stage leading worship or I'm not like serving the coffee back here. I'm not not being seen every Sunday. So I think it's really easy to not want to be in those places where you're hidden, making garments, selling garments, doing beautiful things for the Lord. But I hope that this story, your story, and even Lydia's, go back and read it, I'm going to, (laughs) just encourages people to to live and to like do their giftings exactly where they're at even if it's unseen because the lord sees it and if he tells you who you are that matters more than what 800 people say who you are exactly yeah so press out tell yeah yeah lord thank you um thank you for this opportunity thank you for every woman who's gonna hear this and god i ask that um that you just highlight something that you've highlighted something for them uh, throughout this podcast that's going to take root in their heart, Lord, that they 
um, hear the truth from you about who they are and what it is that you've called them to and that, um, God, I just ask that any fear be broken off or any lies that they've agreed with about who they are or what they're called to, that that's just broken off of them right now, Lord, that they can rest in the truth of who you say they are and step out boldly into what it is that you've called them to, Lord. Um, and that they don't say no to any aspect of who you made them to be. They don't conform to this world, um, even if that's a leadership in the church telling them they need to do something specific and not do something else that is them, Lord. Just that they know and go back to what it is that you say and what it is that you've called them to. So thank you for um, the fact that you speak to us, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful to remind us of who we are and um, that our value with you is not based in all the balls that we juggle, Lord, but just in who we are and us saying yes and agreeing with you and who we are. So um, yeah, I just bless every single woman listening to this, or man, if we have any men listening, and Amanda and Cami. So yeah, and you, um, I almost said Yeshua. That's great too. And Yeshua, oh, yes. Jesus' yes. name, yes. Amen. Amen. I love it. Yeshua, I love. Yes. That. <laughs> no, please say that. That's what we love about this. Well, guys, we've been so blessed by this episode. We hope you are too. This is the end of season two. Crazy, Crazy town. We're so thankful that you've stuck with us through this season. If you've missed any episodes, please go back and listen and get really excited for what's to come because we are. Season three coming soon. And I promise it won't be that long. We already have things lined up. Oh, yeah. We're not going to take a long break. No. We'll miss you guys too much. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm Cammie. I'm Amanda. We're Basically Basic. And we know you are too. Be blessed. And be basic.